Hi, I'm Rain Barry, and from wherever you're listening to the Audio Wave Cafe podcast, I really do appreciate you joining me. Okay, I think that's enough for the chat. On this episode, my guest is songwriter and music producer, Dutch Van Spool. First, I bring you music news and views, and I shine a spotlight on iconic real-world studios in Wiltshire, England. We should move on. I've been including a music news and views segment in my podcast for some time now. And originally I wrote about record company mergers and other boring music industry stuff. So to lighten up the content, I then started to look for quirky little stories that made me smile or laugh my head off. Such as Mick Jagger recently has been thinking about the possibility of a hologram tour by the band when they are no longer able to play or maybe passed away. This is bound to happen with the Stones. ABBA have had a holographic concert running in London for some months now to rave reviews. I've seen a trailer for the show and it's really impressive. It's obvious that a huge amount of money has been invested in producing the show, and the Stones, who aren't short of money, would seriously consider producing their own holographic concert. We could have Mick and the boys performing Brown Sugar, Angie, Wild Horses and the rest of the hits catalogue forever. When the human race has almost died off from climate change, pandemic or alien invasion, the Rolling Stones will still be playing at a venue near you. It's going to happen, no doubt. Ed Sheeran has been celebrating the release of Autumn Variations, his new album by going on a pub crawl in New York recently and buying everybody drinks. In the first few bars, the patrons weren't getting excited as Ed would have liked. Ed, obviously you weren't giving them enough free drinks. I believe Mr Sheeran finally found a happier bunch of people when he bought loads of shots for them at a pub in Greenwich Village. If you're ever in rugby, Ed, and splashing the cash around, give me a call. I'm always available, tell me which pub, and I'll be there. Finally, multi-grammy award winner, music producer and fashion designer Farrell Williams was earlier this year hired by fashion house Louis Vuitton as its creative director of men's fashions. What a talented guy. Anyhow, he's had a recording area built at Louis Vuitton's headquarters in Paris, where he also designs his clothing line. He said recently that he goes back and forth between music and clothes, Songs and shoes in one fluid move. I get that. When I used to record in various music projects, me and my bandmates could have done with a pub built into the recording studio so we could go from songs to lager and beer in one fluid move. Literally. The songs would have sounded crap, but we would have all been too happy to care. My guest on this episode is music producer Dutch Van Spoor, who has invited me to his recording studio for this interview. Hi Dutch, great to meet you. Ray, thank you so much for coming and welcome to Straw House Studio. Thank you very much, and a lovely studio it is too. Dutch, what got you into music production? Okay, my early life I was a choir boy and I was into um, church music, Royal School of Church Music, uh, and I, I learned choral works and things like that. Uh, and then when my voice broke, I suddenly decided it was time for me to get more girlfriends and learn how to play the guitar. Didn't really work. In fact, I didn't play very well and I didn't get many girlfriends. But that got me into contemporary music as opposed to kind of classical church music. And from that moment on, I was just obsessed with music. I was obsessed with songs. Um, 
and, and, and how they worked, the emotion of music. After school, a group of friends, we used to sit down with vinyl records and, 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 and listen to every word that was there and try and read inner meanings into the lyrics. And But we, we really got heavily involved in our music and that has never left me. It's been like a drug my entire life. So that was the inspiration, the motivation that got me started and the journey to, to where I am now. Is, is quite bizarre really it's kind of it's not been a straight line at all but i've never stopped writing songs or writing jingles or music or soundtracks and um, just trying to play instruments better how long have you been producing music i started the label about 35 years ago and uh, initially um, i was working with a whole range of artists and i was producing at the time for them and then bit by bit, I brought in other producers who wanted to work with the label. Uh, and then we were making records in other studios other than our own studio. So it became a hybrid type of organizational thing. Um, and at which time I kind of took a backseat from the creative side, which is what drove me into the business in the first place. Um, and I had to learn about the legal side of things in the business and, and became the suit behind the desk, sadly, finding how to make this thing work commercially and keep it going. Tell me, what is Big Help Music? It's a record label. But what's special about it? It's different to other record labels. I don't think it is, fundamentally. we Our, our role is to find good artists um, who have a motivation, who have a passion for what they're doing, and who we think has music that other people want to listen to, and then help them develop that, be the best that they can with that, and then distribute it and grow the audience for that person. In other words, find those fans that they don't already have that are going to love their music. Every artist has got at least a thousand fans in the world. It doesn't really matter what your music is. It doesn't matter how good or bad you are. Whatever you're doing, you've got a thousand fans at least. And I think the job of a record label is to help you find them if you haven't already done that. But do most like record labels today develop their artists like you do? Some do, some don't. I mean, I don't really see myself as a record label being in competition with other record labels. We just do what we do. And we love what we do. And we compete with ourselves and collaborate with others. That's our motto. If we're doing something well, we kind of analyse why are we so good at that? Um, can we transfer that skill or that policy to another part of the company, what we're doing? And if it's not going so well, is it our fault? Is it something that we're not doing well enough? Should we be learning new things? What don't we know? You never stop learning because the industry never stops changing. Why do you base your music business in rugby? It's a question that I don't really get asked much these days, but people used to think that London was the center of the universe and if you weren't in london it didn't happen before the days of the internet now if you go on the internet you're already international so it doesn't really matter where you are because you just upload it to the world and you promote it to the world it doesn't again it doesn't matter where where your advertising agency is or your your prom promotion team they could be in a different country it doesn't matter providing you can communicate with them and the time zone difference isn't too too difficult you can work collaboratively and, and as a team in dispersed geographical locations and we do have a presence in london um, i have uh, meeting spaces in london that i use and i have lots of colleagues in london and we have members of our um, plugging team and people like that who are based in london it doesn't really matter where where you are and 
I choose to have my office here because I live in Warwickshire and it's really convenient for me. But also I love this area and I see the label's role as not looking too far further afield than you know the central England. This is this is where we want to draw the people that we work with from. It doesn't matter where you live in the world, there is talent in your town. It's not specific to any town or any area. Talent is everywhere. Do you personally go out, say to pubs and clubs in rugby or Coventry at all, looking for artists to develop? I used to, but I don't need to anymore because it all comes to me which is probably a little bit lazy, I guess. Also, I don't have the time anymore because the when our artists are performing, I like to attend some of their... I can't attend all of their gigs. You know, it'll be too many. But I, what time I do have in the evenings to go out, I go and, 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 and watch the people I'm working with. Um, and I also play outside of label activities with um, a, a few different people as well. Um, who are daft enough to allow me into their band. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm actually playing as well. And and there are other writers that I connect with. Some reach out to me. I Sometimes I reach out to them. And those that kind of say yes, then I work with them. I've just spent three days with an artist who has nothing to do with the label. Um, and we've just been writing some songs here for three days. And then next month I'm doing a gig, just one song with um, Catherine Williams and Polly Pulisma. I know both of them. Catherine is a, um, a Mercury Prize nominee for her songwriting. She's well known in the field of alternative music. And Polly is probably best known as being Bob Dylan's support act. Well, they're touring the UK. And I did a writing retreat with Catherine, who took me way outside of my comfort zone. And then she said, right, you now need to be a guest artist at our our tour and uh, and and she's going to make me sing as well which i don't normally do have any of the artists that you've developed achieved any chart success i should hope so otherwise i'd probably be sacked <laughs> <laughs> in 35 years you know i would hope i'd hope we'd achieve something yeah it, and it depends what you call success have some of them had number ones yes i think most of them have had a top 10 of some kind. They've certainly all had top 20 uh, places. Some of them have crossed genres uh, and we've got a couple at the moment who've crossed into the kind of dallying with the dance uh, field. And they said, I want to do a dance track. Um, and so a couple of them, their recent releases have been in the dance chart, which is insanely difficult and competitive. But they've both got into, one got into the top 100 and the other got into the top 200. So that's not bad for their first dance track. You know, it's a fierce competition. So, yeah, I guess so. But that may be a measure of an indication of commercial success. I mean, one chart position, you know, it's a bit early to order your Porsche. Um, it's an indication of um, promise uh, and future potential. Um, but again, so many other things need to happen in order to go all the way with that journey. Have you written any of those songs then? Co-written most of them. Probably the not very important parts. Can you tell us something about your songwriting process? Yeah, I have various ways of writing and I adjust it to suit the person I'm working with. Sometimes we'll both walk into the room and we'll have 
I've got some bits, I've got some ideas, or I've got a riff, or I've got a theme, or I've got this thing going around in my head, you know, either they say that or I'm saying this. You'll find that professional writers, and I mean by professional people who are doing it all the time, you know, they're doing it for a living, uh, we all have um, little treasure chests. So, you know, I have a book with, full of notes and lyrics and half lyrics and sayings, and my phone is is full of little things that kind of occur to me i go oh, i'll write that down um and i'll have little do 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 do's ideas which will go into the voice memo and sometimes i'm next to the piano and something will come out i'll quickly record it and then occasionally when you're in a writing session and, and something strikes you and, you and you'll think oh hang on a minute and, and you'll you'll hopefully be able to find it and then it will be the starting point for where you progress from then so that it tends to be the um quite a regular way of working i like to work messy in the beginning so i don't chase a lyric i don't chase a, a melody we work with a, a big idea of thoughts and ideas and odd quotes and things like that and i like spider diagrams and then all of a sudden something will start to emerge it's almost like the song writing itself if you let it um, and it leads you and, and if you let it lead you you'll then follow down this path and then all of the, the kind of rubbish that you've just been talking together for the last half an hour with a cup of tea and a couple of biscuits, if you've written some bits of it down, then lyrics start appearing. And then once you've got an idea where you're going with it and what, what the key might be and the theme of it and the mood of it, you'll then kind of get an idea for the meter of the line lyrically and how many syllables you want in the line, where the rhymes might fall or might not fall. And then you've got some basic components like a whole bunch of Lego bricks in front of you. And then you just start putting them together and not necessarily try to make something in your mind, but see what they make as you put them together. And it seems to be quite a successful way of doing it. And then once you get to a certain point, you then have to chuck Mr. Messi out of the room. And then you both have to get your hardworking heads on and then, that's when the hard work comes in polishing it and you've probably got some lines and then we'll try and beat the line we'll look at the lyric and we'll go okay well let's can we beat that lyric can we beat that line can we be a bit cleverer there or be simplify it and be not so clever and have we got too many words and is the rhythm of delivery from the verse and the pre exactly the same how can we change that and this rhyme that we've got for the chorus it's a lot of words in it can we not just simplify that message? It's a kind of a, a whole conglomeration of kind of skills and loose rules that you learn about writing and then what the, where the song wants to go. There's kind of three of you in the room. There's the two of you writing and, and the song itself. And hopefully you end up somewhere nice with it. Sounds good to me. I mean, I've just talked a load of rubbish. I don't know. <laughs> well, I understood what you were saying. <laughs> but there are other ways of writing. And I, I can also write to commission. So... I'll, Obviously, we write stuff for um, film and TV and we pitch for things for Netflix, Disney, ABC and stuff like that. And there's some very kind of hard and fast rules when you're writing for picture. Um, so in a way, it, that is an easy way to start because, again, you'll get a brief uh, of, OK, we want something and it needs to be to fit this idea. So you're writing to that idea. So you know exactly 
what tempo the song's going to be, what pace it's going to be, the, the type of style it's going to be. Uh, and you know the kind of theme and ideas of it. Is it is it kind of chasing love or unrequited or happiness or the the that that lovely mellow feeling after all the crisis has been sorted out and you're bicycling down the road at the end? Of, you know, it's kind of you, you have an idea in your head and then you just just go with it. What's your connection to the Brit Awards? Do you know, I was most I was the most surprised person on the planet because I was approached by by the Brits. Um, back in the noughties and they said would you like to be a member of the voting academy and i haven't i've got a clue what that is um so they kind of explained it's not that unique there's a lot of us in it um and you you get issued with a secret shortlist at a certain time of the year it's a bit like the the oscars thing um and then you choose um a set number of your selection from each of the categories that you are allowed to vote for. Obviously, there's things that the public vote for that the Academy doesn't get involved in. And there are things that some sponsors vote for through their readers in the magazine or, or whatever whatever it might be. Each year, there's a couple of sponsorship ca- categories. But I would say that I think it's two-thirds of the awards are, are chosen by the, the Academy. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry, it's partially my fault. <laughs> Do we get to see you on TV in the corner somewhere? No, we don't. Okay. No, 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 no. no. It's not. It's not. It, it's not a visual thing. It's. 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 It's not as sexy as it sounds. You, you basically you get sent a. You used to get sent a really nice document, you know, in a folder. You know, it was all glossy and stuff like that. But you know, obviously, in, in bids to try and you know, reduce the damage to the planet, it, it all happens digitally now. And so, so you get you get an email which then takes you to a a secret website which you put your password in and then you go through and you and you you do your voting and you can take as long as you want on within reason you know there is a deadline but you don't have to do it all in one go and they allow you to save what you've done so far or even change it if you change your mind the next day and i i normally take you know a, a couple of weeks because i there are some categories with with artists in that i don't know their music and i can't listen to every piece of music that's nominated because you know often there'll be a lot of nominations in each category so i i try and set myself a task that i should know at least 20 of the nominees in each of the categories and i usually know usually about you know 10 to 15 and then i I choose at random five that i don't know and i'll go and listen to spend some time listening to their music um and then come back and then cast my vote based on that Interesting stuff. I'd be disappointed if I wasn't invited to the awards and chugging back champagne and stuff. I used to go to the awards. I mean, in the early days, I, I, I did used to go. We used to go as a label. It's really expensive. Yeah, you have to pay. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a bit rough. <laughs> it's, it's not a junket for the... Well, it is for the music industry. But, yeah. I mean, you pay for the privilege of being there and, and you pay a lot. And the whole point of the Brit Awards is to raise money for the Brit School. That's what it's there for. The Brit School was put together by by the music industry, who felt that we needed a way of bringing on new unknown talent in this country. And a school in Croydon was chosen, and it's bolted on to an ordinary state comprehensive school in Croydon. But the money that was raised built the most amazing facilities, you know, theatres, rehearsal rooms, practice rooms, recording studios. It also caters for theatre technicians and and it's the creative arts across the board. So music is one quarter of that. So the the money raised each year funds the Brit School. 
And when you watch the Brit Awards, there's all those kids in the mosh pit in front of the stage. They're all students from the Brit School. Behind the mosh pit are the kind of the the clitorati of the music industry. Usually, each table is usually a, a record label with their artists and their, you know, members of staff that they want to reward getting drunk (laughs) and spending a lot of money (laughs) to be there. Can you tell us something about your show on Cross Counties Radio? It's just a Sunday evening chill-out show. It's 6pm to 8pm. It's uh, a mixture of 25% chart and 75% classic hits. It's kind of a laid-back entertainment show. I, I do a quiz on it. I do things like on this day in years gone by what happened and this day in rock and whatever it's eclectic just to um i have a variety of uh, uh demographic listeners so it's kind of a it fills the gap between six and eight i get to talk rubbish and <laughs> hopefully <laughs> people aren't offended and enjoy listening to it i hope so anyway I, I like communicating with people i like radio i've always done radio um, for years and years and years, not consistently, but when I haven't done it for a while, I miss it. So I'm, Cross Counties were kind enough to let me have an FM live show. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to them for that. And it's quite exciting being with the station. We're just about to launch two outside broadcast trucks to do uh, exterior live events and to support live events. Um, the station has three channels. Uh, station one, uh, radio one is uh, on FM 92 and 95.4. So I'm very good at plugging the station. And two is like programmed, um, automated, uh, chill out. So if you like chilled music and you want a quiet evening, then radio two, which is on the um, internet and, and, and smart smartphone, smart speaker. And then the third channel is for local artists, new music, unsigned artists, which is the very exciting bit for me. That's what I like to hear. And that's the part that they brought me in to help develop, which I'm very excited about. Nothing's going to happen immediately. We're we're, we're basically putting some plans together. But you will see moving on that next year. Um, And my aim is to join up live events on the ground with what's happening on the radio and what's happening on the social media uh, and, and what's happening in the local music scene. And hopefully... It'll be, you know, one of many things that are supporting the local music scene. Well, that's great. I mean, sounds like that station's got some money behind it. It's charity. Yeah. yeah. It's got lots of volunteers who are passionate um, about what they do. They love the station. So, yeah, it, it, it is sustainable. Where can people find your music? Uh, you mean the, the, the music I produce? Yes. <laughs> it's not my, it's my artist. The, any success is due to my artist, not me. There is a convenient playlist on Spotify. Um, so if you, if, if you go to Dutch fans for my account on Spotify, I have a public playlist on there called Big Help Heroes. And it is in chronological order of the most recent releases. And there you'll find the last hundred, singles that i've produced or co-written we're releasing i'm working on about 60 singles a year yeah just over one a week do you have any other interesting projects coming up um in terms of interesting stuff going on for me personally um i'm going to be writing with uh some people whose writing i've envied and and looked upon you know with great awe for for many years and it's been one of my goals my personal goals to get in the same room as some of these people to write with them. And this year has been 
if you like, my breakthrough year of doing that. You know, I've been working hard over the last three or four years with contacts in in America, in in LA, and also here in the UK. Um, just putting myself in rooms, going and meeting people, talking, networking, learning, writing rubbish, then trying to make it better. And then all of a sudden, three names have, have reached out and said, yeah, let's let's get into it and let's do some writing. So for me, that's exciting. And that will be something for me to look forward to fulfilling in next year and, and growing. And my book, I'm kind of halfway through at the moment. I'm writing a book to help people who listen to this podcast. It's not going to be how to succeed in the music industry or the title won't be anything like that. It'll be really sharing uh, what I found has worked over the last 35 years for me and the label and the artists that I've worked for. And I'm also a consultant for a number of other labels that have started up. I've always been a mentor for interns uh, on, on the sound engineering side and also on the videography side um, and the artist management side and i'm proud to say there's lots of success stories out there of people in quite influential positions who who have gone on from that and, and actually achieved their their dream so i shall be including some of those stories and, and and some of the methodology and i'm hoping the book will be an encouragement to people to feel that if they have this dream to do it that they will follow that dream and give it a go and not give up because other people say it's not practical or it's too difficult and not give up because it looks too complicated. It is, but that doesn't mean to say you won't succeed. Somebody's got to succeed. Why shouldn't it be you? I'll go check that book out when it comes out. Yeah, definitely. Dutch, thanks so much for being my guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Ray. It's been, uh, for me, it's been lovely chatting to you. Thank you for thinking of me. And, and again, thank you uh, for, for coming to Strawhouse. You're welcome. Thank you very much. If your band experiences collective anxiety, recording in the drummer's garage because his dog has chewed up all the microphone leads and ran off with your Focusrite audio interface, then you could book some recording time in a real studio and head over to the peace and tranquility of real-world studios in the village of Box in Wiltshire, England. So and by ex-Genesis singer-songwriter Peter Gabriel, and opened in the late 80s. The studio complex is a former mill, and does have a picture-book look to it, but inside it includes a wealth of top-notch recording equipment throughout the studios. In fact, Peter Gabriel has recorded all his studio albums there since the late 80s. The standout main studio is called The Big Room, which is a combined live performance area and recording facility, with no barrier in between, which makes it really cosy for your bandmates and recording engineer and producer. Centre stage is a huge three-sided mixing console, which wouldn't look out of place on the main deck of a Klingon battlecruiser, and the big room overlooks the cute mill pond, which everyone can see through the massive windows. All this is meant to spark your creative juices, and if your visual senses are not moved, then maybe ex-bass player and in-house chef Jerome can tempt you with his culinary skills. Considered one of the top recording studios in the world, many top artists have recorded there, including Seal, Amy Winehouse, Harry Styles and Beyonce. Somehow, I don't think Chef Jerome would want to rustle up greasy burgers and chips for your bandmates, though. (music) 
Coming up is a track co-written and produced by Dutch Van Spall, in which he played or programmed all the instruments. Reaching number eight in the Blue Singles chart, this is Nicky Newman and You're Done. you're done. Many thanks again to Dutch Van Spall for being my guest. On the next episode, my guest will be producer and DJ Chris Long, better known as the Rhythm Doctor. I think that's about it. 
Uh, yeah, it is. I'm done. Till next time.